This is Boss Tone Radio, talk for guitar players, presented by BossUS.com. Hi, I'm Paul Hansen. Welcome to Boss Tone Radio. This is the 26th edition, and today on the line we have Mike Scotia. And uh, Mike is from one of the most influential metal bands of all time, certainly one of my favorite metal bands. Mike is from the band Ministry, and he played all those uh, insane guitar parts. He's also been in a lot of other bands and done a lot of other projects, and we'll talk all about those. But first, let's take a listen to Mike playing guitar on one of my favorite ministry songs, Jesus Built My Hot Rod. And these song excerpts are from the platinum-selling album Psalm 69. Here's Ministry and Mike Scotia on guitar. Shall I call you Mike or Michael? People call me Mike, Michael, or Mikey, so gotcha. I'm good with anything. Okay, uh, you rock, dude. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Speaking of you rock, um, Mm -hmm. you've been in the band Ministry for about 20 years, but um, I want to go back in time and ask you about, you formed the band Rigor Mortis in, in the early 80s in Texas. 1983. You guys combined horror and metal, which nowadays right. is yeah, nowadays is huge. Can you tell us about that? It was kind of a a strange situation. I was actually living in Arlington, Texas at the time. Suburb of Dallas. I think I was eighteen, somewhere around there. I was playing my guitar really loud and this little metal kid came banging on my door, it decked out with uh-huh. black leather and spikes and you know, the whole early uh-huh. metal Slayer look, and uh, asked me if I was in a band, and I was like, no, man, I'm actually looking for some people, and he goes, I got I got a killer drummer and bass player, would you want to come play with us? But that <laughs> first jam session, we did like another piece of meat by the Scorpions. Oh, yeah. It sunk in place so awesome, uh-huh. uh, and I freaked out because I'd never played with such intensity with people, plus we just played it really fast. So yeah. we clicked and we stuck together and we just kept playing and playing and playing. I, I grew up loving horror movies. When I was eight years old, my parents took me to The Exorcist. Oh, man. From a strong Catholic family, <laughs> I was frightened for years. When I first saw that movie, Mike, I actually got the flu afterward because I was so affected. By, I went to Catholic school, too. And Dude, that- I had to sleep on the floor for like <laughs> <laughs> worried about the bed jumping up and down and stuff. But I was like amazed, and the fear that it put into me 
I'm a firm believer that that gives you, you know, imagination, creativity. Energy, and, uh, yeah. And the music to those movies. I'm a huge fan of the old Italian horror films. Oh, yeah. Uh, like Lucio Fulci. And yeah, all those really kind of... Yeah, all that music was such an influence uh-huh. on not only my playing with the rest of the guys in the band, I would always steal riffs from those songs. <laughs> and I would just speed them up or do them backwards. And it was such uh, influence on me. But we sent our demo to every label on the planet. Not, not majors, but independents. And they uh-huh. all hated it. They didn't like it. Uh-huh. So for the hell of it, we just started sending it to the majors. Well, the major labels started freaking out. And at that time in Dallas, the music scene there was growing really cool. Huh. There was such a variety and intensity of music coming out of there. Yeah. Uh, the record companies were flocking. So out of the blue, this girl from Capitol Records, Rachel Matthews, came down and offered us you know, $200,000 to our first record. That's how it all started. And then our second record came out of Metal Blade, but Capitol funded it. And it was a six-song EP, Freaks. Well, the first time I... I did my first record it was probably the third time i'd been in the studio and i i'm in this like state-of-the-art studio and we were recording from seven at night to seven in the morning and stevie ray vaughn was recording from seven in the morning to seven at night wow i would pass him every day in the hallway man now when we got to our third record which was uh rigor mortis versus the earth that's the best rigor mortis record that we ever did. Here are a few excerpts from that album. The first one is the intro from Dying in My Sleep, and the second couple excerpts are from the song called The Rack. Pantera was starting to happen, and they were a Dallas band too, right? Did you ever run into those guys? Oh, yeah, man. My drummer and bass player went to high school with Daryl. Dimebag Daryl Abbott. We were kind of rivals in the beginning. They were wearing spandex and playing (laughs) Van Halen and Molly Crew. Yeah. And we were like, you know, long hair down to our asses, wearing what we wear every day on stage and just playing our asses off. So wasn't until Phil got in the band where they started becoming themselves. To this day, I'm very, very good friends with Phil. That's the singer? Yeah, I've got some good stories. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to kind of move that, since we're on the Pantera subject, uh-huh. the night Daryl got shot on stage. Terrible. Yeah. It's a weird story because I was on tour of ministry. We were kind of running into each other on tour. We were on tour at the same time. Uh-huh. I really pushed to have them 
tour with us because uh, I thought it would have been a great bill. Yeah, Ministry in Pantera. That night, I think it's Columbus, right? Yeah, I think so. We were going to combine our shows that night because we were playing the same exact night. They were seven blocks away. So we were going to bring them over, but the venue wasn't big enough for all our gear. So I'm standing on stage playing, and all these cops show up, and they're all standing around like the stage. You know, we only had like, I think, three more shows left, and then we were off to Mexico, the corn and Deftones and stuff. But I got off stage, and my road manager grabs me and goes, get your ass upstairs right now. So I, all the cops came in, and they sat me down, and they told me what happened, man. And I was just floored, dude. I, I still kind of hard for me to talk about. Still can't believe it. It's such a random thing that some psycho could shoot you at any time. Yeah, it's I, something ridiculously yeah. stupid. You know, I was so mad because if they would have combined the shows that night, I really don't think that would have happened. Yeah. If huh. I could have got my way and they would have toured with us, I don't think it would have happened. It ate me up for a really long time. Yeah, it's so sad. He was really young. He was just a great guy. Yeah. Hey, well, Mike, let's talk about ministry. Okay. I've been a fan. Awesome. Yeah, 1989, you joined Al Jorgensen, right. founder and singer, for the Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste tour, correct? Right. How did you meet those guys, and how how did you end up in the band? I met Al in, like, 1986. His sound engineer was this guy named Dave Ogilvie. My A&R girl who signed us wanted him to produce our record. So that's how I met Al, because Dave was Al's sound man. He worked in the studio with Al, so Dave was like, hey, we're coming through Dallas. Uh -huh. And I went down there, and uh, it was one night when it snowed like crazy. <laughs> I drove through it. I met Al that night, and we, we just became best friends. And then he called me right after I did my second rigor mortis record. Uh -huh. Hey, man, uh, doing this tour, I would really like you to, to come along. Would you do it? And I was like... Yeah, man, of course. That was the Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste tour? Yeah, and I went and did that tour, and then the rest was history. I got asked to join uh, right uh -huh. after that, and uh, we're still playing together. Here's a ministry song. This is from the Psalm 69 album, and uh, this is a song that really inspired me to write kind of a riff a little bit like this. This song is called Hero, and it's just Mike slamming. That riff is just so slamming. Mike, can you tell us about when what happened, what it was like when you got in the band and went on that first tour? Yes. That tour was a really weird tour. There was, I think we had like something like 11 people in the band. It was a weird uh, deal, Paul, because you know we were pretty wild 
rockers, you know? Yeah. I mean, we did everything to the extreme. But the band was split because half of them were totally straight edge, and then the other half were complete psychopaths. So the psychopaths <laughs> were in the back of the bus. What we called them the book club was in the front of the bus. <laughs> wow. So we would basically sit in the back of the bus and play you know, country music all night long. <laughs> they would sit up front and read books and tell stories. So it was a weird, weird deal, man. I remember discovering you guys. I was I was teaching at Musicians Institute, and there's uh-huh. this real metal guy in the library. And every time I'd walk in the library, there'd be a ministry song on, and and I totally got interested in the things you guys were doing, including all those samples and just insane driving guitar riffs. How did you guys come up with this? formula when al called me he basically said look dude i want to bring in your your guitar and mix it in with the samplers and the you know all my insanity i want to mix your insanity with my insanity and i think i I will be on to something and he was right because we spawned a lot of bands we spawned nine inch nails we spawned corn we spawned limp biscuit we spawned god man filter i mean you name it man all all those bands like that i don't care what they say that was kind of a new style, the whole sampling, yeah. the word industrial then was coined, and sure. uh, yeah. I've got to tell you though, man, I'm a very old school guitar player. I uh, grew up on Les Paul, Chet Atkins, Chuck Berry, Billy Gibbons, uh, Jimi Hendrix, Frank Marino. I was oh. in that kind of era, you know. I was a big Frank Marino fan, too. Oh, my God, dude. He changed my life. Oh, yeah, and all kinds of effects, just like, you know, total spaceship sounds and uh, insane. I mean, just Just, insane. Yeah. I I, I must have seen him eight times growing up. (laughs) Um, But I was really mad as hell, dude, the first time I was in Guitar Player. And they labeled me the industrial metal guitar god. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's, that's what you get for being in you know, a cutting-edge band that I had yeah. never heard samples like that with metal before. Right. I, I think that's what you guys did. It was just completely f- amazing. And uh, and then you had those just chunking, just massive riffs going on. And- it was a pretty wild ride, and I'm, I'm very proud of it. Here's another one of those really cool songs from the Psalm 69 album. This song is called NWO. Here's Mike. Scotia playing guitar. This album was released in 1992 before anybody had done this stuff before. So these guys are just totally on the cutting edge. This will conclude the first segment of this 26th edition of Boston Radio. Stay tuned for the second segment. We're going to talk more to Mike and find out more interesting things about ministry. Mike's also going to talk a whole lot about his gear and uh, other projects he's been doing. Stay tuned to Boston Radio. Boston Radio. 